Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Thank you for joining us today. God is true to his word. He takes care of his children. In all aspects of our lives, we must make godly decisions and trust him for the outcome. The ever-increasing deprivation in our secular society is unrelenting, yet we should not be surprised because God said these things would be. We must stand firm, always making godly decisions no matter what. Listen as Pastor Rander ministers to us with Bible, pen, and paper handy. In Leviticus uh, chapter 18, verse 22, it says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. In Romans chapter 1, verses 26 through 27, look what it says. For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use of what is against nature. Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lust for one another, men with men, committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error, which was due. My friend, Isaiah chapter 5, verses 20 through 21 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. As Christians, my friends, we should promote healthy human sexuality. As Christians, we should promote abstinence. As Christians, we should promote marital fidelity. This is why the upcoming election is an opportunity to let your voice be heard and to make godly decisions in a godless culture. What other issues we need to consider in the upcoming election? Sanctity of life. Say sanctity of life. We live in a culture of death that promotes euthanasia and physician-assisted suicide. The recent healthcare decision states that contraceptive methods which include abortions, must be provided. We should vote to end abortion and taxpayer funding of it. Taxpayers should not have to fund the abortion acts. We also have the bioethical issue concerning the creation, treatment, and destruction of human embryos to conduct research. We should pursue ethical stem cell research by advocating harvesting and use of adult stem cells that have been shown to be much more productive than embryonic stem cells. Why take a life to preserve a life? Now we have the wicked and damnable death by gender, which is sex-selective abortion. It gets worse. You know, you can, if you want to have a girl and you end up 
uh, praying, being pregnant with a boy, you can abort the baby because it's not a girl or vice versa. A baby should not die just because of its gender. How wicked can society get, my friends? This is called sex-selective abortion. And it's not new. It's been going on all the way back for thousands of years. For in Matthew chapter 2, verse 16, it says, Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise man, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth, look, he sent forth and put to death all the male children who, who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. There you have sex-selective abortion. You also have sex-selective abortion uh, uh, and killings and killings in Exodus chapter Chapter 1, verses 17, verses 15 through 17. In Exodus chapter 1, verses 15 through 16, you have sex-selective abortion, uh, uh, killing babies uh, because of a personal preference. It says in Exodus 1, 15 through 17, Then the king of Egypt spoke to the Hebrew midwives, of whom the name of one was Shipra, and the name of the other, Poor, and he said, when you do the duties of a midwife for the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, underline this, if it is a son, then you shall kill him. See? But if it is a daughter, then she shall live. That's sex selective abortion. But the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the male children alive. I wonder if you were the midwife, would you have done that? What we need today are more people like the midwives who had a reverential fear of God and were willing to do whatever it took to save babies. Life begins at conception. There has to be life in the womb before there is life outside the womb. Since Roe versus Wade was enacted in 1973, it is estimated that nearly 55 million babies have been murdered through abortion, and who knows how many more have gone undocumented. But, but, but just in case you think that baby in the womb is not a baby, you need to look at Psalms 139 verses 13 through 16. It substantiates what I'm speaking of. Life in the womb before life outside the womb. Look what the psalmist says. You, and this is reading from the New Living Translation because I like the way it reads to make the point even better. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Look at that. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Look at that. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. Now, my brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, if that doesn't get you, you are shown off hard-hearted. What more evidence do you need of knowing that there's life in the womb before there's life outside of the womb? You hear many saying 
It's the economy stupid. It's the economy stupid. It's the economy stupid. I'm so tired of that statement. It makes me want to do whatever. But but what what is greater than the economy is the sanctity of life. The greatest injustice is not to allow a baby to be born. Because if that baby is not allowed to be born, it doesn't have a chance for education. If that baby is not allowed to be born, it doesn't have an opportunity to be rich or poor or black or white or Hispanic, Asian, Jew or Gentile or, or to even be born with a physical disability. You know, some people, when they take sonograms, some mothers, and the baby has some kind of disability, a defect, they abort the baby because they don't want to bring a disability baby, a disabled baby into the world. Who made us God? Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 17 through 20. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 17 through 20. Oh God, help me to preach this message. Look what it says. I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Underline this. Therefore, choose life. Look at that. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. We're killing these babies. We are damaging the nation in a way we can't even comprehend. And you know what I'm afraid of? I believe we're going to have more babies going to heaven than folk who even uh, confess Jesus Christ as Savior. You know, cause, 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 cause that's life in the womb. And if they are murdered, they go straight to heaven. And I believe we're going to have more babies going to heaven than folk making decisions for Jesus Christ. For heaven's sake. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. Look here, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, to give them. Beloved, the Bible says in Exodus twenty thirteen, you shall not murder. And abortion is murder. After Cain killed his brother Abel, God said in Genesis 4.10, The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Church, the blood of multitudes of innocent babies are crying out to God from the ground. If my mother had aborted me, she would have murdered a gospel preacher. What if your mother had murdered you? What if your mother had murdered you? Another issue we need to consider is that many pastors uh, fear the loss of the church's 501c3 tax-exempt status. Therefore, they are reluctant to preach on controversial issues from the scriptures that relate to the issues of our times. Many pastors are more concerned about being considered politically sensitive or correct and are hesitant to exhort their congregations to obey biblical teachings as it relates to the upcoming elections. God commands that we speak the truth in love. 
Many pastors failed to educate the people biblically on controversial issues during the election season because they fear the negative backlash from congregants who have opposing viewpoints which align more with a secular worldview than a biblical worldview. No longer are pastors to be held captive by fear. We must preach the truth boldly without compromise. That, listen to me closely, my friend. There will never be a spiritual awakening in America until pastors are unmuzzled in the pulpit. I reiterate, there will never be a spiritual awakening in America until pastors are unmuzzled in the pulpit. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 17 says, get yourself ready. Stand up and say to them, Jeremiah, what I command you. Do not be terrified by them or I will terrify you before them. Pastors and the church of the living God must not compromise the truth but rather stand up and boldly proclaim the truth of God's word in this rebellious and wicked generation. Judgment will come to pastors who fail to stand up and speak up for God. Martin Luther King said himself, and I quote, the ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of comfort and convenience, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy, unquote. Jeremiah chapter 5, verses 30 through 31 says, An astonishing and horrible thing has been committed in this land. And I say to you today, my friend, an, an astonishing and horrible thing, horrible things are being committed in the land of America. Verse 31, the prophets prophesied falsely. And the priests rule by their own power. And my people love to have it so. But what will you do in the end? What will you do when God comes with his chastening rod? Well, it's time for the church to wake up and look to Jesus, who is our only hope. It's time for the church to wake up and look to Jesus, who is our only hope. We must refuse to put our hope in the wisdom of men. We must refuse to put our hope in elected officials. We must refuse to put our hope in our military sophisticated might. We must seek the Lord. We must turn to the Lord and we must cry out to God who is alone able to deliver us. Psalms 33, 16 and 17 says, no king is saved by the multitude of an army. You think the America's military arm is keeping us? You got a, 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 a you got another thing coming. If the Lord don't keep us, we won't be kept. Where was our mi military when those planes ran into the building? Where was our sophisticated technology? We were caught sleeping, sleeping. So, so no king is saved by the multitude of an army. A mighty man is not delivered by great strength. A horse is a vain hope for safety. Neither shall it deliver any by its great strength. Isaiah 31 verse 1 says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt for help. You're going to China for help and going to all these other places for help. And rely on horses who trust in chariots because they are many and in horsemen because they are very strong. But who do not look 
to the Holy One of Israel, nor seek the Lord. And it's a sad day when pastors and churches no longer seek the Lord. Not only is America hurtling downward to new depths of moral decadence, but the church itself stands in desperate need of a return to biblical righteousness, justice, and holiness. Churches are no longer influencing our culture as Christ intended, but rather the culture is influencing the church. Because of sin and moral scandals within the church, there is little difference between the morals of an American church member and the morals of the unchurch. Listen at this. The church has become the safest place to sin without consequences. The church has become the safest place to sin without consequences. Oh, my brothers and sisters, First Peter chapter 4, verse 17 says, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. At the house of God, not Hollywood, at the house of God, not the White House, at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do, who do not obey the gospel of God? My friend, our only hope is a true revival in the church. Our only hope is the infusion of the gospel, which will cause a spiritual awakening in our nation. However, in order to call this nation to repentance and spiritual awakening, the church must be awakened from the sleep of lethargy. The church must be awakened from apathy. The church must be awakened from complacency and be an armor of light in dark, in this dark and decadent world. America is in the shape she's in because the church has compromised the gospel and gone to sleep. Beloved, if the church does not rise up, there is no hope for America. If the church doesn't rise up and be the church and the man of God preaching the word of God and not being afraid of the faces of the people, there is no hope for America. Romans chapter 13 verses 11 and 14 says, and do this knowing the time that now is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believe. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and light up and let us uh, put on the armor of light. Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. Or oh, I'm about to conclude, church. And some of you saying, I sure am glad. If Christians were as passionate about soul winners, soul winning as they are about their politics, we would turn this country upside down for Jesus Christ. People get mad about politics, but no one get mad about, about the fact that they're not winning souls for Jesus Christ. Noah Webster, textbook pioneer and political writer, wrote in 1823, and the words still ring true today in 2012, and I quote, In selecting men for office, let principle be your guide. Regard not the particular, the particular set or denomination of the candidate. Look to his character. Scripture 
teach that rulers should be men who rule in the fear of God, able men such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. When a citizen gives his vote to a man of known immorality, he abuses his civic responsibility. He sacrifices not only his interests, but the interests of his neighbor. He betrays the interests of his country, unquote. Lamentation 2.14 says, your prophets have seen for you false and deceptive visions. They have not, they have not uncovered your sins, your iniquity to bring back your captives, but have envisioned for you false prophecies and delusions. The nation of Israel suffered divine judgment and was taken into captivity because the prophets in their day preached false and deceptive messages which were from Satan and not from God. And such is the case today. Many preachers are preaching smooth, easy gospel and believism. Uh, They preach smooth, lying preachers, preaching name it and claim it, blab it and grab it, prosperity and self-help messages, motivational speeches, feel good messages, soft and watered down messages with absolute no substance, little sermonettes, which makes Christianettes. Oh, my friend, listen, first Corinthians 14 and eight says, for if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? And there are many preachers standing in the pulpit. They're not giving a clear sound message to lift the people of God out of, out of confusion. The message is clouded up. The message is too politically correct. It is too soft. It's too full of sugar. It's too full of fluff. And they're making unclear sound. But I tell you today, my sound is from the Lord. And the sound that I make today is a clear sound. The reason you can get huffy and puffy on it is because the sound is a clear sound. Since our only hope is Jesus, as preachers of the gospel, we must obey the divine mandate given in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, to warn, rebuke, and exhort the saints. The scripture says, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with loan, with all loan suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth as many are doing today, and be turned aside to fables. I was up in Washington, D.C., my wife and I, uh, at a conference, and we were next to this Methodist pastor, black Methodist pastor, who had this ancient, uh, aged Methodist church, and he was preaching the gospel like I was doing today. And the people got so riled up because they heard the truth. Because they've been so baptized in secularism. They've been so baptized in the culture. They've been so baptized in the ideologies and the philosophies of this age. You know what he told me uh, last May? My wife sitting right at the table. There was a man who got so upset at the truth. Because he was so baptized by the media. He, with his robe on, got up in indignation 
walked out of the qualoff and slammed the door because of hearing the truth. And if he don't repent, he shall die in his sins. How to reach the masses, men of every birth, for an answer Jesus gave the key. And if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. Oh, the world is hungry for the living bread. Lift the Savior up for them to see. Trust him and do not doubt the words that he said. I'll draw all men unto me. Lift him up. Lift him up. Lift the precious Savior up. Till he speaks from eternity. And if I, I like that, and I, and I, and I, and I, and I, if I be lifted up, who's the I? His name is Jesus. We'll draw all men unto me. I'm going to keep on preaching Jesus. I'm going to preach how he was born in a manger. I'm going to preach how he lived to show us the more ex- a perfect way. I'm going to preach how he went up to Calvary's hill. I'm going to preach how he was hung up for our sins. I'm going to preach how he died for our sins. I'm going to keep on preaching, whether you like it or not, how he was buried according to the scripture. I'm going to keep on preaching, and I'm going to keep on preaching. I'm going to preach my coat off. I'm going to preach until Jesus come, until he, ca- or until he calls me from labor to reward. But I'm going to keep on preaching that early Sunday morning, early before the dew fell on the roses, early Sunday morning, Jesus, my rock, my sword, my shield, my shepherd, my anchor, my mama, my daddy, my Lord, my bread, get up! Out of the grave with all power, all power, sufficient power, holy power, everlasting power in his hand. And all God's children said, Amen. We lose when we say we belong to God, yet do not do the things he says. When we surrender our lives, we are saying that we willingly live in total submission to Him. Jesus willingly suffered and died for us, thereby paying for our salvation in full. We must stand on the promises of God no matter what the cost, because in the end, we will inherit eternal life free of charge. The price has been paid in full. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching by Pastor Rander, please visit us at Maranatha Bible Church, located in Converse, Texas. Or call us at 210-821-5683.